You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're continuing our Summer of 88 retrospective series with Chuck Russell's 1988 remake of The Blob. You, no trouble. Me, fifth element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Welcome to the podcast. We're your host. I'm Brian Elkins. With me tonight, Mr. Paul Williams. What is up, people? Uh, and tonight we're gonna we're gonna kick things off a little bit differently. Normally we go straight into the movie. Our last episode um, we covered Jason Goes to Hell, and we got a bunch of comments on Facebook. Uh, we wanted to go through and, and and read those since you know we we actually got comments this time. Yeah, we got a lot of them. And if you guys uh, want to leave us a comment on any of our episodes, you can do that on Facebook and Twitter uh, underneath the episode in the comment section at Movie Crew Pod on uh, any of those platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can always send us an email. Uh, our Gmail address is uh, themoviecrew at gmail.com, and that's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. I know crew is spelled weird. It's got an d- extra E at the end, but... Maybe we'll read your comments on another episode yeah if we get more comments we'll do that all right so first up from the jason goes to hell i guess we should read what we what we wrote we wrote even with the amazing makeup and gore effects this installment is considered the worst by most fans and critics Uh, you know join us as we discuss Uh, our first comment was from james pie he wrote agree great effects and kane is spot on as always Unfortunately, it was directed by an amateur, and the story is all over the place since Sean S. Cunningham was sick of Jason and wanted to make something fresh. Bad idea. And who the fuck is the Duke? No backstory whatsoever. Four out of ten for me, and as you can tell, I'm a fan. The only thing I disagree with uh, Mr. Mr. James Pye on is uh, the four out of ten. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think he's honestly being... Really, he must really, really be like a diehard fan if he's given this movie a four out of ten. But hey, yeah, who am I to judge somebody's somebody else's rating of a movie? Well, you know, yeah, he he, he called out the effects and 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 Kane, but yeah, there there are a lot of things that that yeah. did rip it apart. I mean, yeah, he, he he went a point higher than me. I'm not gonna judge. And the next uh, we have is a uh, a fellow by the name of Chris Lane, 
a uh, fan of all the movies. Apart from this one, though, it was shite. Ouch. Uh, yeah. It's my least favorite as well, I think. I don't know. I don't know if it's my least favorite. I don't really like Five as that much either. Five's still better. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. <laughs> all right. Uh, next comment. Johnny Floors wrote, worst film in the series. Agreed. Simple, sweet. We, oh, we agree. Moving on. Um, Andy Hogg, guilty pleasure. This right here, it's so bad it's good. Well, is it, Andy? Yeah, yeah. Really, is it? It's is so bad. That, no, it's so bad that it's like uh, Chris Lang said, it's shite. It's it, so bad that you can't even use the normal English way of ex- saying the word shit. You have to call it shite. I still stand by my, there's like, there's serious moments in that movie that kind of ruin the camp. It, yeah, it's it's so bad, it's good, and then it goes right back around to, it's so bad again. It's not yeah. a 180, it's a full 360. It goes back to bad again. Yep. Moving on, Richard Dulls wrote, disagree with this post, Jason X, what the fuck was that? Following after Jason goes to hell the final Friday, can anyone please explain how after being dragged to hell... Did he manage to escape hell and the dumbass writers to make a sci-fi Jason shit? And that's coming from a fan. All right. So everybody definitely wants to, to you know, like, hey, we're, we're fans of the series. You know, again, we're fans of the series, too. We understand that. Um, yes, we are. But, you know, I do have a little bit of problem with this, this one right here, the logic, because, I mean, yeah, yeah, like he went to hell in part. And at the end of, you know, Jason goes to hell, obviously, Freddy's glove comes and takes him away. But at the same time, in part eight, he gets... Melted by toxic waste in Manhattan sewers. And then miraculously, he's just got Bubblehead in, in Crystal Lake. So, yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. still continuity errors. Well, not only that, the only, the only problem that I really have in his comment was, was kind of like trashing the whole Jason X. Like, yeah, Jason X is what it is. At least it knows what it is. Ooh, At least it's trying, it's trying not to be something that it's not. It's trying not to to add this whole new thing to the series or this, this insane mythos that is up to the point of Jason goes to hell had never even been touched upon in any other movie. I don't think it's Jason X where the goofiness starts or like the supernatural, the genre bending, because I mean, even part seven, they started at, at, you know, with the Carrie subplot in that one. Yeah. They started adding supernatural elements and, and things of that nature. Other, other aspects of just, outside of slasher horror. But when New Line took it over, they, they really amped that stuff up. Yeah, they did. All right, let's move on. Morgan Sexton agreed. It was crap compared to the originals. Couldn't agree with your comment more there, Morgan. Yeah, Paramount stuff was better. Agreed. Yes, very much. Seiko Ryan, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, wrote, that should have been the last one. Just like Halloween H2O should have been the last one. But no, let's keep fucking over the classics. People will pay money to go see a remake after a remake and a sequel after a sequel. Anything for money, I swear. Fucking lame asses. Well, that's kind of harsh. Well, it's kind of harsh, but to a point, I kind of have to agree with him a little bit on that. Well, Seiko Ryan, tell us how you really feel. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but I mean, he is kind of telling the truth because I mean, remakes do not ruin original films for me. I still have those originals and remakes only provide interest to a new generation of the original work. You know, I mean, I love that. It's rediscovery that I can't agree with you on, but, uh, 
when it comes to the sequel things, all I got to do is say Blair Witch Book of Shadows. And I would say Aliens or Scream 2 or Friday the 13th Part 2. Ah, ah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's hit or miss either way, man. That kind of brings us back to tonight's topic. Um, and those are all the comments we have. But, I mean, going back to the remakes, um, that, that's something we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about a, a, yeah. an original film, a sequel, and a remake. We're going to be touching on every single one of these. Yep. And once again, thanks to, thanks to all of you who left your comments on that episode. We, we appreciate it, and we like to hear your insight. So please, yeah, always you're you're encouraged. We we like we li- like to hear what you guys think. And if you disagree with us, let us know. And if we you know get something wrong, call us out. Take our nerd cards away from us, revoke them, and shame us for we. Deserve. Well, mine, mine mine's already ruined. You know, thanks to you guys, you kind of ruined my street cred, nerd street cred a long time ago. So. Look, you can't be a proper geek, dude. If you're not, uh, I mean, like if you're like. Three Star Wars movies behind. I mean, something's wrong here. But kiss my Star Wars ass. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go <laughs> into um, tonight's lineup. We're going to be talking about the original Blob from 1958 first before we go into the remake. Every one of you watching this screen, look out. Because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. Teenagers see it first, like a falling star from outer space. Boy, that was close. Hey, come on, I want to see if I can find it. An old man finds it, touches it, and this is the shocking result. From then on, there's no stopping the blob as it spreads from town to town. It's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. This town is in danger. How can it be stopped? Mob hysteria sweeps one city. Before long, the nation, and then the world could fall before the blood-curdling threat of the Bob. Starring Steve McQueen and a cast of exciting young people. Super low-budget film. Yes. Cost barely over yes. uh, $100,000. Made $4 million in the drive-ins. Uh, it, was, it was a big film. Steve McQueen launched his career. I, I guess you can kind of see the beginnings of, of a movie star in Steve McQueen in The Blob. But Yeah, you can. The special yeah, effects can, he, he, kind of overshadow him a little bit, I think. Yeah. And I, I was going to say that the, that the acting, I feel, in the original is a little bit better than the remake, dude. Well, I don't know if you can compare, like, the I mean, I was the just talking about, like, version. in the conversation. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Well, that's the thing. Like the conversations in the film are very dated, man. There's the lovers lane. <laughs> like the very first scene is like uh, Steve McQueen and he's out with this girl in the car and they're looking at shooting yeah. shooting stars out in the country. And the exchange that him and Janie girl have, he keeps calling her Janie girl and she's like, "No, I want to be known as Jane. You just bring all the girls up here." It has a very surprisingly contemporary um, viewpoint and, and attitude toward relationships, but it's still 
in the fifties mindset. It is it is yeah. kind of weird. I will say, it but, is it is. But that like that scene is cut completely from the remake, and I, you know I, I don't I don't think that Lovers Lane and that idea existed anymore uh, in the eighties. I wouldn't say that scene was totally cut from the remake. You just got a different version of that scene in the remake. Yeah, but you didn't get that scene. You know, like with a yeah. I guess that's true. You do, and look at the <laughs> and look at where that scene goes in the remake. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. But the dialogue in the fifties, when it's very like, "Oh, gee, God, fellas, uh, let's go over here." Like even when Steve yeah. McQueen gets into a fight or like a, a drag race with the other guys that are are kind of going to be a problem, and you're like, "Oh man, wait, is this a gang? Is this a street gang? He's going to get in trouble with?" And it's like, "Oh no, it it's okay. There's some guys from high school. We're going to be friends in like five minutes. We just had a slight misunderstanding, yeah. fellas." <laughs> Everybody just patches everything up and goes have a malt down at the malt shoppy. Uh, it, it does have a nice fifties, yeah. uh, you know. Leave it to Beaver. I mean, part of the reason for that is because it was made, you know, for, believe in it or the not. 50s. Well, yeah, not only was it made in the fifties, it was made with church money. <laughs> the director is was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah was, that is true. He was a reverend uh, at a church, and he he wanted to like spread the word of God through film. And uh, the, the producer so he decided to make a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, the producer <laughs> talked to him too. Like, yeah, look, hey, we can make a lot of money here. Uh, you know, doing this horror thing. Come on, it'll be cool. You're making money for God. We're scaring for Jesus over here. All right. <laughs> yeah, we're scaring for Jesus. We're saying if you take if you take little uh, doll and Jane up to the up to the lovers' lane, that uh, you might get eaten by blob of jello. Yeah, I mean, like, look, the effects are dated um, in the original, but, man, they're, they're still pretty cool. Yeah, they are cool, considering that, you know, the kind of limited special effects stuff that they had to work with in the 50s. and Yeah, I mean, and the I think the plot is, well, it's, it's very, you know, simple, like, meteorite crashes, there's a goo monster, the blob. It comes out. It eats all the people. Each each time it eats a person, it grows in mass, and it gets uh-huh. bigger and bigger. It's a, it's a simple idea, but there is something kind of you know terrifying about like that weird jelly mass that doesn't have a shape that just kind of rolls you up and eats you. Even for that time, some of the some of the special effects and stuff like that, I will say, weren't that bad. No man, I think I think some of the effects I mean, still still hold up r- rather well. This is we're talking I mean, you sixty have years some ago. Acting skills. I mean, you got to have some acting skills to be able to pretend that you know basically children's place line is eating you. <sighs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you remember Gak. Yeah, yeah, the Nickelodeon. Yes, I do remember Gak. It does look yes, a little like. Kinda- it kind of looks like gag. It's like we're just going to put this ball of slime on your hand. No, you have to act like it's eating you. Well, it does in you some. Know? It does in some shots, and then like I don't know, like when the old man taking the stick and trying to get the blob out of the meteorite after it lands, and it sucks on his yeah. his uh, hand. I don't know if it was the yeah. filmmaker's intention, but I always liked how the blob was kind of clear. Do you notice how it's clear on the stick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, is it is it getting red? Because that's like it's all the blood from everyone it's eating. It's all the blood, and it's just turned in it pink. It's it's all the iron in your blood, man. It's, it's affecting the color of the blob. I thought that was cool. I don't know if that was the filmmaker's intention or not, but yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, but the original the original still does hold a lot of enjoyment and entertainment. You know, once again, made in the fifties, 
So it, the dialogue is kind of dated. No, yeah, the dialogue is is you know it's it's a product of its time, but I mean you know for the most part it's it's pretty good. From what I understand, the original Blob, like you were saying, did do pretty good uh, in theaters. It actually did all right. It, I mean, it did well oh, enough. God. To to warn a sequel, and that was they came a, in nineteen seventy two. Yes, beware the Blob. Um, or if you if you saw it on TV, I knew it as Son of the Blob. Uh, growing up, I think that's how I saw it on. Um, that is even. That is. Oh my god. On that TV. Is so, that is so fucking lame, dude. Uh, but the son of the Blob. Well, it's a it, it's a hippie film. Um, it, it is. It's got a, it's got a lot of hippies in it, and uh, the special effects. I guess when people are making fun of of the Blob, the you know the Steve McQueen, the first one from '58, and they're talking about it looking goofy. I think what they're actually talking about is the sequel, Beware of the Blob, because this is the one that's kind of goofy and it it's kind of silly. Yeah, it's like the Blob was designed just to kill hippies. There's this guy who is like just drinking beer, uh, coming back from a fishing trip, and uh, he's actually watching the Blob on TV, the trailer for the Blob, or maybe he's watching the movie. I can't remember, but he's 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 watching it on TV, and then the Blob comes and, and eats him, and somebody comes in and sees him, and it looks like the actor is just covered in red jello. It is really bad. I will say it's a clever yeah. way how they freeze it at the end. Because I guess we didn't mention in the first movie, they freeze it with the fire extinguishers. They get together and everybody in the town gets a fire extinguisher and freezes it. Um, but yep. in this movie, um, the blob gets on top of uh, uh, an unfinished um, ice rink. And it gets Zamboni to death. <laughs> and they, they turn the, the power on to the unfinished, uh, I guess the coils will still work. And they freeze the blob that way. It still has its roots in the, in the B-movie monster film, but it does feel cheap. Yeah, dude, I couldn't watch it. Oh, you didn't even finish it? No, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Oh man, did you at least make it to the to the hippie party with the the woman that was wearing the Freddy Krueger sweater? Yes, uh, I, yes, I made it to that part. <laughs> Shortly after that, though, I was like, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't fucking do this anymore. <laughs> I'm not watching this movie. I we, we're gonna I'm gonna have to post that on Twitter or on Facebook or something. But yeah, there's there's a lady. I swear to God, she's wearing the exact same outfit that you know uh, when Tina. Uh, or no, it's not Tina. It's when Nancy um, bumps into Freddie in the hall, and it's the girl. And yeah. She's like, "Where's your pass? Screw your pass!" And yeah. you know the girl's wearing yeah. the, the the sweater with the uh, what is it? It's like some kind of like white collar coming out of, out of the top. I guess she's got a white button down shirt underneath it. Yeah, she's wearing that same exact outfit in Son of the Blob. You have to wonder, Lord. did Wes Craven watch this movie? And he was like, man, that is a damn good outfit right there. God. And I do. Man, that movie. Ooh, that movie's bad. It is good. It is bad. Um, we do have to bring up. I know I brought up Dean Cundy a lot here because um, he shot Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Jurassic Park, which we covered not too long ago. But he actually did some special effects and early photography um, for on Beware of the Blob. So, you know, kind of, kind of Cundy getting his, his first start in 72. Look, this is before Halloween, which he shot, um, that came out in like 78 and that would have been shot over yep. like, uh, 76, 77. Here you go. You're seeing this man's first beginnings here. So, you know, with the discussion of 1972's Beware of the Blob out of the way, at fucking atrocity. Uh, let's get on to something way better. The remake, the one we're actually going to talk about tonight. This movie was made 1988. Unfortunate thing is, the original Blob did better in the theaters than the remake did. The remake kind of bailed in theaters. Yeah, it did really, really poor. 
The Blob remake had a budget of $19 million, and it only made $8.2 million domestically in the United States. So it didn't even make half its budget. It opened up number eight opening weekend. Its first weekend, it debuted at number eight, made $2.6 million. So this was a bigger disaster than John Carpenter's The Thing. Which, ironically, both of those movies uh, went on to get mass popularity and gain a huge cult following. Oh, yeah. I think both of these are 80s cult films, for sure. Most, most indubitably. And this is kind of special, because it was the last of the 80s sci-fi horror remakes. I think, you know, it, it completes out a great horror remake trilogy. You know, the first one being uh, John Carpenter's The Thing in 1982, Cronenberg's The Fly in 86, and then this goes out in 88, um, Chuck Russell doing The Blob. Uh, I think these are all spectacular remakes and they all introduce some kind of element of body horror, you know, to, to what the original has. Uh, they, they really take like creepy elements, whether it's like um, AIDS or uh, even cancer in the fly. Um, the yeah. blob doesn't really have, I guess so, so much of it because it's, it's more of a, an eighties B movie, you know, I mean, it's, it's going for that B movie fun, I should say, but it, it does have like the, the virus metaphor, because they, they changed the origins of the blob in this one. You know, a bunch of actors and actresses. Some went on to do bigger and better things with their career. Others didn't really hear too much from anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, but, our main uh, actress, Shawnee Smith, uh, she definitely, I mean, horror fans, we definitely know her from the Saw series. Yes. Uh, I mean, she was on yeah. the poster for the first Saw movie. She, she was the girl in that crazy bear trap. Yes, she was. Yes, she know, was. She was the first survivor of Jigsaw, so there you go. And then you had uh, the the male uh, kind of co-star for the movie, which was Kevin Dillon. And, ah, Kevin Dillon. Matt Dillon's brother. I don't know whether to call him Kevin Dillon or Little Matt. Dude, there are parts in this movie. I don't know if, I don't know if, if it did the same thing to you, but it was just like, hold on a minute, is that... Matt Dillon from the fucking Outsiders. Yeah, he does look a lot like his brother, man. I mean, they do look a lot like him. not only that, dude, but like, well, not only that, but like even certain mannerisms. Damn, dude, did you just like rewatch and rewatch and rewatch The Outsiders? And he's like, I want to be my brother from The Outsiders. Well, it's the, I tell you, the the scene that reminds me the most is when the sheriff talks to him and he's like, hey, look, I know you got a birthday coming up. You're not going to be a juvie anymore, kid. I got my eye on you. Rubble fish. And, 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 right? Right? And he's just sitting there. Up in the it's like, fish, oh, my dude. God, dude. It's fucking spitting images of his brother. I know he's got to hate that. But, yeah, dude, they look so much alike. Yeah, we, we apologize, Kevin, Kevin Dillon. But, uh, I know yeah. he's, he's got to be sick of that. But, motherfuckers, you look alike. You, oh, my God. I know your brother's, but. He probably, he probably like, gets drunk at family reunions. He's like, God damn it, man. You ruined my career. <laughs> And what's up with that goddamn Joe Dirt mullet that motherfucker has in this movie, dude? Dude, it was the 80s, brother. I mean, MacGyver had a mullet. Let's not forget. I mean, mullets yeah. were in. I do like well, how it's like it's like Paul Reiser's hair from Alien, but he just let it grow <laughs> too far. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, God, total, it's it. totally Paul Reiser's hair from Aliens. <laughs> Um, and then you have, uh, dude, Jeffrey DeMond, man. He's, that guy is done. I mean, that guy's on a Walking Dead shit. fame. I guess that's where all the kids know. He was, see, like, season one and season two. What, he died in season two? Yeah. Walking Dead. 
Yeah, he he was a good character on that. Shaw Shank. Uh, he was goddamn it. Who did he play? Dale. Dale. Yeah. Yeah. He was Dale on Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those movies that he starred in, like Walking Dead, Shaw Shank, those are all Frank Darabont movies that he wrote and directed. Well, Frank Darabont co-wrote this script with Chuck Russell. That's kind of crazy to think about. You know, like Frank Darabont, yeah, that did Shawshank, number one movie on IMDb. This guy co-wrote The Blob. Kind of insane to think about. And these guys were coming off of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. I think, like, the only reason the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise survived was because of that installment. Like, the first movie is great. I'm not going to take that away from it. But the second movie went into such a, a bad direction story-wise. Like, bringing Freddy out into the real world, I think that was a bad way to go with the Nightmare franchise. And then what Chuck Russell yeah. and Frank Darabont were able to do for Part 3, man, I loved that. I thought that was so incredible. Those, the makeup in that movie like, and the effects in it still to this day, I, th- I think about. Nightmare 3 is shit. They're probably one of my favorite Nightmare films. And that's a... That's a- hell of a thing to do man to come off working on, on the dream warriors to going straight to doing the blob that's yeah that's that was, a, hell of a lot dude that was chuck russell's like dream project that's the reason he went out to hollywood was he wanted to he wanted to make the the blob he actually went out and got the rights from the original producer from the first film uh jack harrison i mean he he put this film into motion hell yeah he was like yeah that's what i want to do with my life i think he was inspired by john carpenter and cronenberg but yeah that's very, 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 very good possibility, man. Uh, we do want to mention that um, the amazing special effects here were done by Hoyt Yateman and Tony uh, Gardner. Um, both of them did amazing job. Hoyt Yateman actually has gone on to uh, to work with Oculus now. So um, the special effects in this movie, really, really incredible stuff. Um, oh, they're freaking awesome. Yeah, I, th- I thought the most inc- the incredible thing though was that the blob is actually every time you see it and it's moving over people, that's just like si- silk pillows and silk fabric with a little bit of goop on it. They also like cut the silk fabric into like, different shapes, and they the the crazy thing and kind of disturbed me you know, listening to the special features was that they pumped the <laughs> the silk fabric and the shapes that they they made that was really weird. They pumped it full of uh, milkshake thickener. Of course, you know, the director, Chuck Russell, was even on the behind the scenes like, you know, I hope the chain restaurant that he was using, that milkshake thickener, I hope they stopped using it now. But, you know, maybe they didn't, so I won't say their their name. Well, there you have it, man. (laughs) But that is kind of gross. But, yeah, I mean, that's how how they did that. And there's some stop motion um, throughout the movie. Like, you you can see it, especially, like, when the blob gets really big at the end. There's some cool stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you really notice it then. Like, you, you don't notice it so much. Through the the earlier parts of the movie, but yeah, when it gets towards the end, you you kind of do know, especially in the like the town square scene, I guess you could say. Yeah, I well, I, yeah, I think the only time I really remember seeing it um, is when it's like eating people, because even like in the theater, like some of those wide shots, that's just them blowing, you know, blowing that uh, milkshake thick thickener into those silk pillows, uh, you know, that they've cut in those different designs, and they're just shooting yeah. that on a miniature, and then they're compositing the actors into them. Um, like e- even the the last shot with the the reverend and the and the hand coming up and the and the blob in the glass jar the very last shot of the film um, I guess I should put a spoiler warning I mean you can even tell that's a, that's a rear projection shot and then you know there's a stop motion hand with a jar and a stop motion um, blob inside 
But I mean, it's, yeah. it's really well done. And I mean, like even the eyeline of the Reverend, like, you know, looking at that jar, you know, you can tell he's looking at nothing, you know, and there's not even a hand in the frame. Because the hand oh, looks weird right. when it comes up. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. But, but it's uh, still well done, man. It's still well done. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Paul, when was the uh, when was the first time you saw uh, the 1988 version of the Blum? Mm, have you seen the first? Have you seen the Steve McQueen one first, or was this the first one? First version you seen? No, no, no. I saw the I saw the remake first, and then I went back later on and watched the original. Really? Yep. Dude, that is crazy. Yeah, this was one of the first. Uh, VHS tapes I ever remember owning in my life. In fact, this may be the very first VHS tape ever owning. Because the blob was like in those really cheap, like five to ten dollar VHS bins, like with Goro. <laughs> the tentacles. Yeah, and stuff like that. You know, you could just you just pick up like a night of the White Dead. zombie. Yeah, there was just all these like public domain or like very low budget horror films, and you could just get them on VHS. And I they, remember, especially if, if you went to like Dollar General and found them in the bin, they were like super super cheap. Yeah, so I did grow up with the Blob, and when I saw this in the video store, I remember being very excited about it. But my parents would not let me rent it for the longest time. I mean, I think I, I think it was twelve. Yeah, I think it was. I was like twelve when we finally rent, rented this on video. So I did not see it in the theater. But yeah, I, I don't think I actually I saw it. this until I was a teenager, probably. Oh really? Wait, so you didn't see the uh, original Steve McQueen blob growing up as a kid? If I did, I don't remember it. You know, like I said, I do remember seeing the the remake when I was a teenager. Fuck, bro! I just remember that uh, VHS cover was so terrifying. Yeah, the VHS cover was pretty cool. You could just like see the guy trapped behind the blob, and his like his hands are like trying to come out, and his face, and he, you can just tell like he's trying to suck air in, but he's fucked. Yeah, and then there's that other there's a, there was another uh, VHS cover, but it's like there's one where it is where it's like it looks like this girl is just like swimming in the blob. Yeah, that's the theatrical one sheet. Okay. okay. It's also the cover of the um uh, the Umbrella uh Blu-ray release. The 88 Blob um is it's kind of it's kind of hard to find on on Blu-ray. Um it's easy to find on DVD and there's there's even a pack with like um Christine and some other horror films uh, that the Blob's included on. But to get it on Blu-ray, the Twilight Time release uh was one of those releases where they only put out like, you know, 2000 copies. So it's sold out, and it's really expensive on eBay. But the Umbrella um, Blu-ray that was released over in the UK, it is region-free. And it's only like 20 30 bucks, depending on where you buy it. If you get it off of Amazon, I got it off Amazon for, for $20. And, man, it looks great. It's a great transfer. It even has an interview with Chuck Russell on it. And I think that's the way to go. I mean, you should get that. It, it, again, it's region-free. It'll play on any uh, Blu-ray player. So you should definitely pick that up if you're, if you're a fan of this movie. Are we at are we at trailer time here? We're at trailer time, bro. <laughs> All right. It's trailer time. Guys, here's the trailer for the 1988 remake of The Blob. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a face, you could look it in the eye. If it had a body, you could shoot it. 
Man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. Nobody believes me about what happened tonight. What did happen? I want that organism alive. I think you pissed it off. We're back. That was the trailer for the 1988 remake of The Blob, directed by Chuck Russell, also co-written by him as well, and Frank Darabont. Um, and right away, we get some very interesting... I'm going to get your thoughts on this, Paul. These low-angle establishing shots of the town. Dude, I like them. Doesn't yeah. it kind of set you up? Like, it puts you in this really, like, small-town... Um, no, it's, it's not. It's not suburbia. It is like a nice small '80s town. Yeah. But the yeah. way the way it's done, it 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 is it puts you on edge. Yeah, it does kind of put you on edge. But at the same time, you know, some of the, some of the way this movie is shot, it's it's it definitely does pay homage to the original. I, I see that in a lot of these beginning shots. Oh, dude, I think right off the bat, the cinematography is way better. Uh, Mark Irwin, cinematographer from uh, a bunch of Cronenberg uh, flicks um, before this. I, he even did The Fly. We were speaking of that earlier. He he shot that. Scanners, The Brood, The Dead Zone. Yep. He is one hell of a cinematographer. This This movie is shot beautifully. I mean, it is really shot beautifully. Yeah, uh, I mean, it even ends with that church, and then it goes to the cemetery, which I thought was yeah. so bizarre. Like, yeah, it goes to cemetery, and then right away into the the football stadium, which is adjacent to the cemetery. Why would you have your damn football field right beside the cemetery? Hey, man, you know, hey, look, small t- small town, dude, small town America, something yeah. that is uh, kind of disappearing. Although I, it kind of looks like it's disappearing in this movie too, because uh, even in the beginning, the store shot, the storefronts look kind of closed. Not all of them. But some yeah, of them yeah, that's that late Reagan era recession right there for you. It has a nice feel. It sets up this very lived-in world um, for a horror film. And you know what? I I will say I like I like this beginning. I love the the first hour of this movie is so well done. Yeah, it, it's it is is very very well done. That I, I mean, wish the movie. You know, I wish there was more of this and less yeah. of the crazy big blob spectacle at the end. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy the beginning of this movie because you know you you get the football players at the football game and the one the quarterback wants to ask ask the cheerleader out, but he's kind of skitty about it. And then you have Kevin uh, Dillon, his introduction. He's trying to uh, jump over a broken bridge. That literally has like a four foot drop <laughs> on his awesome motorcycle. Yeah, and his leather jacket. The Paul and the Brian character, both of them are playing the Steve McQueen character. It's like they took the Steve McQueen character from the first movie and split it into the Brian and Paul role in this film. You know what I mean? And they even made the Brian, like Brian Flag, um, Kevin Dillon's character. They even made him like uh, an actual 
real life on screen portrayal of Steve McQueen. Like, you yeah, know, Steve McQueen yeah, was known they, for the motorcycles. You think of Great Escape. Yeah, they 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 really do try to play off that with uh, Kevin Dillon's character Brian. They they try to make him kind of look like you know he's he's the outsider. He kind of lives on like the fringe of the town. He's known as the town troublemaker. And the sheriff um, knows him. He's a bad boy, ladies. Yeah, he's just a bad <laughs> bad apple. You know, he likes to just go out in the middle of nowhere, try to jump broken bridges with four foot gaps, with the only spectator being one homeless guy in <laughs> a blue helix. It's really good in this scene. Like we're establishing not only uh, the character of uh, Brian Flagg, but we're also um, establishing the geography, where the football stadium is, where the town is, where the old man is. And this sets up when the meteorite falls and the old man gets his hand attacked. It, it's pretty clever, not only introduction to characters, but you're setting up a nice geography that we're, we're going to follow later in the, in the film. I like that. Yeah, man. Speaking of that crazy geography, you have some shots that look like they come straight out of like somewhere in the middle of Oklahoma or Kansas. And then you have other shots that look like they come out of California or Arizona. I thought it was all right for the most part, man. I mean, I believe. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just cracking jokes at it. <laughs> I thought it looked good, man. I don't know what you're talking about. It still looks it, it still looks good, but it's just like, yeah, because you brought the geography up on that. And I got to I got to thinking about it and kind of like I was talking about in, in terms of scream geography, like, you know, like yeah, I know, I know. we know I where know, everything is in relation to other things. And we know where these, yeah. these things are and why these characters are going to come back here and and all our interactions in the movie. They're very well established later. I, I even like uh, and we just get good like little character beats like the the sheriff asking um, the waitress out. Yeah. You know, yeah, which that, that was pretty cool. Another thing I thought was Oh, awesome. dude, he was extremely like, classy. That, like, yeah, he was. Like, guys, if you want to see a movie, for, like, everyone likes to say, like, oh, you know, movies from the 80s and 70s, all the guys treat women like shit. For, you know what? For the most part, that's true. But Jeffrey DeMunn, let me tell you what, guys, he shows you how to do it. This man is classy. He's smooth. He's polite. You know, when he when they're having their, their conversation, he, he asked her about going to, a, I think, a concert, and she's like... Uh, no, I don't know. And then she's not into. Me. Uh, this is this is. I'm getting rejected. This is awkward. Um, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. And he even tells you, he's like, yeah, it's 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 no big thing. Yeah, you got to You know, you have to work. I understand. Yeah, you have to make a living. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, like she writes uh, the time when she gets off, and that's important. That's a callback uh, later to the film. Not not a lot of fat in the script, man. You know, I would say, I wish there was like four or five more scenes. With this town, like Paul, later in the in the movie, when he he's going to go pick pick up the 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 main character, the main actress, Shawnee Smith, and he he's in the the pharmacy, and his his buddy runs. Oh, into bro, the, that is such a funny. That is such a funny ass scene. The dude. Reverend, yes, that is. <laughs> he goes into the pharmacy and asks him for condoms, and he's like, "Yeah, they're from my buddy." <laughs> Pretty much, and what you're the Obviously, you know he's an asshole because he asked for Banaka. Who the fuck uses Banaka? Even in 1988, nobody used Banaka. Hey, do uh, you want the regular condoms or the ribbed? <laughs> he's looking right at yeah, the face. He's like, was... uh, uh, give me the ribbed. Um, it's not for me. It's for my buddy. And, uh, then, and it's just like the character Paul, he's just, like, he's just completely oblivious. He don't know what <laughs> just transpired. Oh, yeah. He has no idea. But, man, when they when they go in there and... 
Uh, and Paul's introduced Shawnee Smith's dad. He, the pharmacist drops that, that newspaper down. He's just like, oh. I love that ripped. reveal, dude. I love that reveal, dude. That reveal is so fucking awesome. Because he's got like the newspaper all up high, and he just slowly brings it down. And it's like, oh, fuck. Oh, it is good. And I wish I wish there was more moments. Um, and, But I understand, yeah. like, you know, you got to get to your monster in, and it's it's the movie's called The Blob. It's not you know teenagers get together. I will say they they already spent way more time on character development already than the first film did at this point. Yeah, damn, Brian, come on, it's not Porky's meets The Blob. I know, but man, this stuff is really is, <laughs> I know I'm it's just, really you know, well I done, just, man, and you can tell like the director, like Chuck Russell's got a knack for comedy, like. I mean, this guy went on to direct The Mask. I think that was the next film he did after this um, in 1994. Yeah, yeah, well, so there was some time period there in between. Yeah. Again, this movie didn't do well at the box office, which is a shame. But I think these scenes are great, man. And I do like the monster. And um, let's get to the monster. And the, the comic fall, uh, the comet, the meteorite, whatever it is, it falls down. Old man um, gets the blob all over his hand. I kind of love the old man's dedication, dude. What do you mean? He, this dude is so dedicated to collecting aluminum cans that he has a specially made frying pan that he ties around the shoe just so just so he could crush aluminum cans. That's that's fucking dedication right there, dude. Oh well, dude, it didn't look like he's got a lot going on on a you know on a Friday <laughs> or Saturday night or like you know whatever it's weeknight like, this is. It's Friday night can smashing. <laughs> He's not going to Garden Tool Massacre, all right, playing at the local cinema downtown. All right? Garden Tool Massacre, yeah. Uh, Meg, Brian, and Paul, they all take um, this homeless man into the hospital with a blob. Dude, the best death in the movie for me, this first fucking kill, bro. Uh, like, the entire film oh, dude, which, leads you I, to believe I, that, that Paul's going to be the main hero. Well, I don't know. Maybe I didn't get that it was that Paul was going to be the main character, but it kind of gives you the vibe that the three of them are going to hang around till the end of the movie. You know, these three characters. One thing I really did enjoy, man, I thought it was it was kind of cool and it, and it was kind of creepy. Yeah, the Paul guy goes and gets a drink, and he happens to look and sees the homeless guy in there, and he's kind of walking down the hall, like the homeless guy kind of turns his neck in like a fucked up way and his like neck swells all up and his eyes are like solid white you know i didn't understand that because when you see his dead body later it only eats like half of him yeah it only eats his lower half i never understood why like what was it doing in his neck if it only ate i don't know you know what i don't understand i thought that was weird damn this is a horrible hospital yeah what happened to the everybody's kind of what happened to the what happened to the doctor's code, man, where they're like, don't matter whether you got money or not, you know, we have to treat you. It's like the first thing they're worried about is, does he have insurance? Well, I think and, I think that's the director poking fun at, at you know, uh, healthcare and insurance. I definitely think yeah, Chuck Russell is, is taking a moment to uh, to poke fun of him. And I mean, it is a small town hospital, too, as well. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, damn, dude. That's why the health... That's why the health insurance line is, is it stands out so much is because it's a small town. Well, I, I thought mean, that was Andy, funny. You also you also have a, a guy coming in there saying that you know you got a patient dying and the damn hit doctor's like oh well what am I supposed to do I, I'm I'm with 
client. I'm with someone else right now. That's not what a doctor does. A doctor's like, oh, somebody's dying. Let me go save that motherfucker's life. Yeah. This dude did not do that. And I do, I do think like Chuck Russell's kind of playing fun of those scenes, and he's also doing a callback to the to the '50s Steve McQueen. You know, because that was a huge yeah. thing in that first movie, where it's like all oh, the the teenagers, these meddling kids, the cops don't believe a word that they're seeing about this blob creature. If only they yeah. would listen. Well, man, my my biggest quagmire is how the hell did Paul know all this dude's information to fill out all those emergency room sheets? Never mind. I, anyway, I mean, that. even if it was, I mean, you, you got to fill something out. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, dude, whatever, uh, bro. Look, you're finding a whole bunch of nitpicky stuff here, and I want to talk about yeah, the best. Yeah. I want to talk about the best kill scene, one of the greatest kill scenes of sci-fi '80s horror. This I beg to differ with you on this. No, but, okay. man. Look, dude, I th- I think this is th- this comes close to some of the stuff in the thing. I not the best stuff in the thing, obviously, but some of the lesser stuff from the thing. <laughs> this comes very close to the thing. Is so great. Oh my god. Man, dude, this is this is horrifying. This this gave me nightmares. And we're talking about the body horror and the idea of like this creature like dissolving you, and like you you even see like the uh, the alien like acid for blood. <laughs> you see the acid from the blob. That's how Paul knows it's in the room. He sees some drippings from the blob hit the um, the desk he's on, and it starts dissolving some of the table, and some smoke comes up. Yeah, that is that is kind of creepy because he's like sitting there and his fucking mouth is moving and shit, and he's just covered. You just can hear covered, him yelling through it. Yeah, you can. I mean, he's like it almost looks like he's like trying to walk forward, but it's kind of pulling him back. What the crazy thing is, it's like going out the window, and it's like it knows it's already like the blob knows it's already it it's already got him, and it's gonna absorb him. But it it's slithering out the window, and it's just taking it's just taking him as it as it goes out the window and and crawls away to whatever it's gonna get. When she grabs the arm and pulls the arm out, oh man, dude, this this disturbed me as a child. Nightmares. Yeah, I really love that one low line shot, and you see the arm there, and it's just laying there, and she's kind of in the corner, and the fucking fingers are still moving. So the uh, blob goes out the window, man. Um, but uh, his best friend, the guy that ratted him out about the con- uh, condoms, he's next up on the victim list. <laughs> Pervy McDate Raper. Uh, you could say he has a trunk that's made for tailgating or date raping. I'll let you guys be the yeah. judge. He's already got this chick like kind of half-wasted as it is already. Off he's wine coolers? Off of, off of some fucking, what do you call it, <laughs> cherry cherry, cherry soda or cherry <laughs> cherry drink or some shit like that, he called it. He's like, oh, you know, go refreshing your drink. And she's like, I'm already, you know, she's pretty much like, no, I don't want no more. I'm kind of already wasted. Oh, she's already about ready to be passed out in two seconds. You know, he like pops his trunk open and it's just like, you got a little basketball goal here. He's got like a little shrine set up to the goddess of love and shit. He's got a, procreation, uh, a bunch of like really uh, cheap um, household items uh, that you would, that you were like your mom or dad would have in their kitchen to make mixed drinks. What's up, what's up, what's up with the cordless fucking mixer? It's like what his grandma or like what his mom had in the kitchen, dude. He's just like, dude, look, this is what I could get. Hey, what do you, what do you want to do, man? I'm a teenager, all right? Come on. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy's definitely 
thinking ahead, but uh Oh this guy totally yeah. deserves to die. Uh I feel bad for his date though. Yeah, I do feel bad for her. Cause like, it, it, but it's kind of great because he gets back in the car and he's just like, it's just like he's got this look in his eye, just like, I don't care if she's passed it or not, I'm using those condoms. <laughs> I had to allow my friend to get them, now I'm going to use them. And this kill is kind of weird. Um, the blob kind of uh, tricks the its prey, its victim. Obviously, oh, the, the blob is, is, the f- has gotten already inside the girl. And but when, how? I don't Obviously, it did. Just like it got inside of uh, the homeless guy, like. Well, I understand like how, how it, I understand how it got inside the homeless guy. What I don't understand with the homeless guy is like, why didn't he eat it? And it, yeah, yeah, where's yeah. where's the damage when they pulled the sheet up? Like, if you're gonna okay, show so us this, like the blob was inside his neck and inside his brain when they pulled the sheet back, like I, I don't know. They should see some damage from that. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying this. That's a continuity problem in makeup that's okay well i mean the I'm shot was cool propose, though yeah but I, okay i'm going I'm, I'm to propose a theory to you so do you think the blob can actually turn its acidicness on and off no i think it's always acidic i think sometimes the filmmakers don't have the money and the budget to show you every single time that the blob is acidic so they they do a lot of shots in the film to remind you of it like there's one shot where like uh, Shawnee Smith's uh, Meg's character, she's trying to she's trying to go under the sewer, and the blob's coming in through the manhole. Um, yeah, when he grabs her by the hair. Yeah, and it's got these little tentacles, and it's like coming through the the these teeny little holes, and it's got these little tentacles, and it grabs her by her hair, and her hair like burns, and you see some smoke, and you hear the sizzle sound effect that the sound effect guy put in. I understand what they're trying to do. Um, there are some inconsistencies throughout it, yes, but I'm just assuming that. Ari will explain to me how the hell the blob manages to get inside this girl and not completely dissolve her. Well, it's it's slowly dissolving, dude. You know, it's 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 worked its way up. That's what I'm saying. Like it has some kind of this blob has like a hunter instinct where it's gonna yeah. or it's gonna trap its prey. That's why I, that's why I, that's why I phrased it that way. Well, that's why I was, I mean, but that's what kind of makes me think is like, well, can it, in other words, think of a snake. A snake has venom, but does a snake use its venom? No, I think it's, I think it's dissolving her as it's going inside of her, dude. Okay. I mean, can it be both? So you're just saying it's, it's not, it's, it's dissolving her, but it's yeah, not, it's not encompassing her. her. An expo- yeah. And an exponential rate. You know, it's already worked its way in there and it's just waiting for the guy. Because, I mean, during the watching of this, I, I kind of questioned that because I was like, well, sometimes it really doesn't seem like it's acidic, but then other times it's extraordinarily acidic. Well, I mean, come but on, then, Paul. I mean, you just have to know it, it's obviously they don't have the money to show you that stuff all the time. Yeah. Like they can't put – I mean, because, again, this is all done practical or, you know, with a blue screen or rear projection or – that's the technology of the time, dude. So you can't put smoke in or if you do put smoke in, it's going to like really reduce the resolution of the shot. Yeah, and then I when you, you watch it on Blu-ray like you are today, uh, you really notice it. Like the very last yeah. shot of the movie, you yeah. really notice that that's well, no, a rear I mean, screen projection I, shot. I guess what I was saying though on that was is like – I I kind of did wonder if if that's kind of what the director was going for with with this blob. Yes, it is acidic, but you know, once again, being inside of this girl, you know, it can turn I, I its thought, acidity levels from zero to a hundred. Yeah, 
No, it's always a no. It's just no. I guess the okay. Here's the thing: the the first half of this movie, the blob is kind of treated in. It's a monster movie, but it's treated like a slasher film. Yeah, because the blob is you know sneaking up on people. It, it's it stalks people. Of, it has its own yeah, POVs. It's really reclusive. <laughs> it's it's and that's what's really really bizarre about the the Garden Tool Massacre. They're kind of poking fun at the Friday the Thirteenth and the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, and it just. But yeah, they're doing the same thing in this movie. Yeah, they are kind of falling into the same trappings. Like Psycho is a slasher film, and like you even did the Psycho motif, the Janet Lee kill. You did that in the beginning of your film. After this, the next guy to die is uh, is the guy in the dishwasher, uh, the dishwasher dude. Yeah, that that dude, man. Oh, he gets sucked God. down the drain. And then the girl in the telephone that dude, booth. That dude, they they get some horrible deaths, dude. They're like, great. They, they do. They are great deaths. Yeah, they are great deaths. With the scene, you get a you get a buildup of tension and suspense, and I think it I think it really works well for this scene. That dude's death, man. Paul Paul had probably one of the better looking deaths, but I have to say this guy had, this guy had a way worse death. So death rankings in this movie, I give Paul number one. Number two is, is is telephone, and number three is dishwasher going down the sink. But if we're going on sheer brutality, dishwasher would have to take number one on that because that's just fucking brutal. It is. And, then you know, the filmmaking uh, techniques there are really brilliant. I mean, you look at the thing that comes out and grabs him from the sink. That's a, that's a, You can tell it's a piece of reverse film where it's, a, yeah. it's attached to his face. It's getting pulled away. And then they cut to that great shot. I don't even, I'm, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure how, how they do it, but there's a there's a dummy, and it has the blob effect on its face, and it, it goes down in one shot. Yeah, hits the sink and then squishes and gets sucked in all the way up to like the awesome, neck or the ears. Yeah, yep, and you get that awesome overview shot of it. It is a good. It is is really well constructed. I mean, like editing, filming, blocking, everything is well done. The acting, it all looks painful and brutal. It, it does a and very a very good um, scene to look at. An argument for you know practical effects will always be better than CGI. Like it's it, it's one of those scenes. Yeah, and I mean, I could see, I could see where you know one can make a really good argument on that. I personally, I guess maybe it was because of the era I was kind of brought up in and the movies that I watched when I was growing up. I prefer and, and really enjoy well-done practical effects. Can't beat them. And the telephone booth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, the telephone booth scene that's is... Great, is that's That's fucking rough, dude. That's rough because she, she, oh, yeah. she kind of gets one of, the, one of the slower deaths in the movie. And what really kind of gets me is, is like when she's trying to call the sheriff's department and the re- receptionist or the dispatcher. Oh, yeah. Like, and she uh, sees the guys. She sees the he's sheriff's already left face in the yeah, fucking blob. Oh. Yes, dude. And at first, at first when I was watching, I was like, is that the sheriff? And then, and then you see the badge. Yeah, dude. You're just like, oh, that is the sheriff. Dude, you see the guy's mouth? Like his mouth is like, it's like melted and and it's like, like contorted. Yeah, it's like it's like almost like split into two. Oh, it's yeah. so gross, bro. Yeah, I, I yeah, sw- that was that's. It uh, looks like he moved. I don't know. I don't know if his eye gets stuck or if he moves his eye. But like, oh man, that eye twitch. 
Yeah, that was that was. Just I look like, away ooh. every time, dude. I'm not gonna lie; it's so effective. I look away. Ooh, that's rough. And even when the blob like collapses on her, the overhead shot where you see that, or where the phone booth just gets crushed like a fucking aluminum, like the old dude was doing with the fried pan. Fried, yeah, fried I mean, like the blob it covers the whole phone booth, and it starts coming in, and that overhead shot when the blob actually like it just breaks all the windows. It sucks her body toward the camera, and the thing that I really liked is that they kept her, like it sucking out, and she starts yeah. going with the blob as it as it leaves. Oh, dude, it's super yeah. creepy. That is that is an awesome awesome ass shot right there, dude. So disturbing, dude. Oh my god. Oh, stuff of nightmares. Yeah, that's probably. Like I said, those little those string of well, you really don't see the sheriff's death, but like, dude, I think the aftermath is worse than actually seeing it. Oh well, um, the Reverend gets to see the the aftermath. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He does see their aftermath and kind of sets up the end. the The town Reverend uh, kind of sees the uh, like you know what the blob did to the diner. Um, yeah, because in the diner scene, Meg and Ryan kind of realize that. Ice or extreme cold is its worst enemy. Well, they have to just retreat to the the freezer, just like they do in the um, the fifty eight um, original yeah. film. And this version, I w- the thing I like is that when the blob gets frozen, it it breaks off into little blob crystals, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I don't know, whatever. They're they're cute little purple crystals that lay on the floor, little blob goo. And the Reverend actually comes yeah. up and and collects some, puts them in a little jar. He ends up being um, a, a really weird character, a very Frank Darabont character, kind of like the lady in the grocery he, store in the mist. He does because it's like he gets he kind of gets mangled. Well, not really mangled. Well, he gets burnt by that the, flamethrower. Yeah, yeah, he gets, he gets disformed. There's an army he, man that he, like shoots a flamethrower at the blob, and the blob like sh- yeah. shoots a tentacle at the flamethrower to stop it up, and then it kind of like explodes and shoots off into the the reverend's face and burns him yep his face up his arm but he like he's he's coming down like the street like all crazy though like oh yes this is judgment day in armageddon the blob will cleanse the earth or crazy well, the one the one scene when he first sees the blob you know and he's like walking and he's he keeps trying to hide that bottle of liquor that he has Oh, he's a he's a total wino priest. Like, yeah, wino reverend alcohol. for sure. Yeah, he's 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 got some problems. All right, he's in the he's in this small town for a reason. Okay, if I didn't know no better, I'd say he was a Catholic priest. Well, they keep calling him Reverend, though. Yeah, they do call him Reverend. Uh, you don't you don't say yeah. that to to Catholic. Yeah, you priests. call you yeah their fathers. He's a little bit of a booze hound. I don't know 100% for sure, but like at the end of the movie with the tent, it does seem very Southern Baptist. You it know, does, he, it, it looks like he's preaching to like very poor. I don't want to sound racist, but I mean, the movie, I mean, this, it does look really bad. Although there are a couple of white people. There's mostly a bunch of poor black people that are in there that obviously like, giving him like every penny that they make on the side. Yeah. It looks like he's just preaching in a tent of poor rural folks. Yeah. And he's totally, he's, he's on this apocalyptical bandwagon and this poor little old lady comes into his tent. <laughs> 
to the back of his his tent. And he's still sipping the booze, so he's he's a still crazy drunk priest. No, 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 no. He was just a drunk priest before, but now he's a crazy drunk priest. <laughs> I guess that's true. He's going straight crazy because he's got a little blob in the jar. Kind of, kind of sets it up for a sequel. Oh, well, it doesn't kind of. It totally sets it up for a sequel. Yeah, it does set it up for a sequel. I like that, like, man. I thought that was, you know, it's like if you're going to do a sequel, having this crazy priest unleash the blob. I, 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 I kind of dig that. But I'm also yeah. kind of glad we never got that movie at the same time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right? If Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell, if they come back, I would have, I would have been done. Yeah, that could have been, that could have been good. But if they were to get anybody else on board, I'd be like, nope, gonna pass. When the movie, I think the movie, you know, really starts to develop when you, when you encounter the army. Uh, well, are they the? They don't really say they're the army. They're the government. Yeah, dude. that's all they. That's all they say that they're they're. They're uh, actually no. They do. Like, I do. I have a note here that says uh, biological containment unit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of they're, what? They're a bio, yeah, they're a biocontainment unit. That's what they are. Um, but yeah, I, and this kind of changes the origin of the blob. It makes it more uh, not an alien or an entity from outer space. Um, this is more man-made. conspiracy. <laughs> more conspiracy. Conspiratorial. Because it's not a meteorite. It uh, it turns out no. that um, it's actually a satellite, a United States yeah, satellite. You, uh, yeah, you pretty much get uh, the the scene with Paul and Meg and these uh, army guys where no uh, Brian Joe, and Meg, uh, Brian and Meg. I'm sorry, Brian and Meg. Where Joe uh, Seneca, he pretty much explains. You know, he's the professor Meadow. I think his name is. Um, he kind of gives them a BS. You know, Meadows. reason or this. Meadows, yeah, Doctor Meadows. He he kind of gives them this BS reason that the that this is actually an infection and the whole town is contaminated and they're under quarantine and once everybody's been cleared, they'll capture the blob and and be out of their hair basically. But then he finds out that no, they're actually lying. There's some lying motherfuckers. I, okay, here's the question I have for you, man. Um, I got one or two, one or two, one or two theories, and maybe you have a third. So they say the government put the satellite up in space with a virus on it. Yeah. Now in the movie, the doctor says they knew if they put bacteria up in space, it could it could possibly mutate, but they never knew what a, bi- a virus could do. Now this virus was in a satellite up in space. It mutated, became the blob, caused the satellite to crash. What, did the government put the virus in space as a weapon that they were going to shoot down on Russia or whoever our enemy was? Or was it just an experiment to see what would happen to a virus in space? Uh, like, why was a satellite there in the first place? That's a, that's kind of a gray area here in the movie. Considering that these guys are uh, very, very military-oriented, I would say that it was probably like a bioweapons study. Well, they and, say they want it in the movie. Well, yeah, they, they say they, they want it yeah. for uh, as a biological weapon against the Russians. They they say that in the movie for sure. Yeah, yeah, they do. But is that the reason and, it was up in space? I mean, well, the way it's explained, it almost <clears throat> it almost seems like it was is more or less your first theory, where it was like, okay, we're gonna shoot biological organisms into space on satellites. 
basically as an experiment to see what happens. And then once they realized what happened, they were like, yeah, we can use this as a, as a bioweapon, a biological weapon in warfare. Hey, Steve McQueen with a mullet came up over here and told us uh, your virus turned into a giant blob that now uh, sucks people up in uh, some kind of weird acidic way. It gets yeah. bigger every time it eats a person. It, just, it keeps growing. Yeah, but it, it is. It grows at an exponential over. rate. I mean, it is kind of left a little ambiguous on what their actual motives are, you know, for the creation of it. Well, no, the, the creation was an accident. They tell you that. Like, why they put it up yeah, there. Yeah, what I'm saying is the motives. Like, once it's already crashed down to Earth, I understand why they want it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But I'm saying, like, the motive to actually put it in space. Oh, oh, I got you, I got you. Why it was up in space <laughs> yeah. in the first place? Yeah, I don't know yeah. that either. Yeah. Do you interpret it as... Is a it was just kind of like a science experiment that that kind of went awry. No, I and like to think it's B. It was it was it was Ronald Reagan's uh, Star Wars, and uh, it, was, these, it was the Star Wars program. <laughs> these, these scientists like were like, hey, you know what we should do? We should put a virus on a satellite, and if anybody fucks with us, we'll just drop that virus on them, and they're fucked. Yeah, and then we have we, the we, cure. <laughs> what are you gonna do, Russia? What are you gonna do? Cold See, it was all a lie, man. There was an arms race to send bioweapons up into space to create the blob. Uh, okay, the main character gets out. There's a motorcycle chase. It's not really worth talking about. Uh, yeah, the motorcycle you, chase is weak sauce, though. Uh, and, and this is where the movie... Eh. Oh, but he does jump that, that gap that's only four feet deep. Yeah, that's true. He finally he finally makes jumps that. the shit out of it. It's bigger than four feet, Paul. Come on. No, I said I didn't say wide. I said deep. It's bigger than four feet deep, dude. Come on. No, it isn't bullshit. No, come Go on. Go back and watch. No, Go back and watch the beginning when he falls in there. Damn, it's at least twelve ass, feet he, deep. Come on. It's twelve feet, my ass. In the center, it's like four for sure. It's like four feet in the center. <laughs> it is <laughs> if he not four on the feet. edge. It's up too fast. He'd have busted his damn head. You don't know how to judge anyway. distance. You don't see three to your right either. Whatever. We're moving and, on. And you're blind. You need to get some glasses. I'm married to an optometrist. I see perfectly. Thank you. No, you need to get a goddamn tape measure. <laughs> Oh, is yeah, that what you did? Is is like you you were watching on a theater screen? You took a tape measure out. And you were like, "It's only four feet wide." <laughs> only four feet wide. What the fuck? I mean, not wide, deep. You're fucking me up now. <laughs> Whatever. Oh my god. You you keep saying what? Anyway. All right. Okay. Let's anyway. move on. Um, yeah. So he jumps. He jumps the gap like Evil Knievel and gets away from. Him. Yeah. 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 But look, I mean, look. This is this is the thing. Um, I like the movie when it's in, in blob slasher movie mode. When we are um, setting this town up, and I don't want to say it feels like Halloween, but it kind of does feel like Halloween. Like how how it sets this town up, yeah. and it feels real lived in, and it gives you this. I, and it, it does have a, a gothic sense to it in, in certain aspects, especially with the religious stuff. I think that's maybe Frank Darabont's influence. It does seem weird to me because these kids, um, the Meg character, uh, her brother wants to go see this movie called uh, The Garden Tool Massacre. And the movie is Garden making fun Tool of slashers, Man. and I, I feel like they're pulling from a lot of slashers. Maybe it's a subconscious thing on the director. When you it, watch the first half, the first hour of this film, it, it, it feels like a slasher movie. It does not well, feel like a, a monster it, movie in terms of how it's it laid out. It could be a cinematic double entendre. 
No, I don't know, man. I I just don't, I think it's Chuck Russell. Just I th- I thought he was saying like, look, I have more story in my Blob movie than your Friday the Thirteenth film, maybe. But I'm not saying he's not doing it better. He totally is. The character is like, I'm not saying he's doing it better, but he is doing it better. So that means you are saying he's doing it better. He's doing the same thing. You know, he's taking this, he's, he's doing the same thing in the same place. And it seems like it's really weird to take a, to take some time in your movie to take a shot at slasher films. Like, well, I mean, but look, but look at the context that it's done in though. You got these two kids who are watching this. I mean, and, and obviously, dude, when you see the slasher movie on the screen, it looks campy as shit. And it's, like, obviously set up to be a joke. Because, like, there was one line, dude, where it's like, oh, well, it's rather late for Well, no, I mean, obviously, Paul, it's... Yeah, no, Paul, we all know it's supposed to be a fucking joke. Nobody's not thinking it's not supposed to be a joke. It's obvious spoof as shit. It's like, yeah, but, I mean, to, you know, have that contrast with it being shot, or the first half of the movie being shot similar to how you would shoot a slasher. It's, I just think that's kind of interesting, man. So that's what I'm saying, Paul. I'm saying the director is making fun of slasher films but play, paying homage to them, maybe not knowing that he is. Do you understand? Dude, I'm pretty sure he knows. I'm pretty sure he knows he's playing. He's paying homage to him. Like, and why is I'm he making sure. fun of him in the same movie? Irony? Fuck, I don't know, man. That's what I'm saying, Paul. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, so I'm thinking, even though his material is is better than Friday the Thirteenth, I think he's holding his material in a little bit higher regard than he is, and he doesn't understand that he's falling into the same trappings as Friday the Thirteenth, and he's doing some of the thing, same things that Friday the Thirteenth does. You know what I mean? He's he yeah. is going. He's treating the Blob in, very much in the vein of a slasher movie. And when he does the blob kills, he's pulling a lot from body horror like Cronenberg and John Carpenter's The Thing. I mean, I don't don't know if I necessarily say that he's like kind of poking. Well, I guess he is kind of poking fun at it, but. Oh, what? Garden Tool Massacre? Yeah, no, he's definitely. Dude, that is a straight up spoof. I mean, he's totally making fun of that shit. But to say say that, hey, my film is better than yours, I I don't know. I don't know if I agree with all that. I mean, it could be the fact that the dude really just loves horror movies, and he wanted to. It's like, well, we need to have something playing at the theater. I mean, he's playing. The dude, a loving... he just came from doing a slasher film. Yeah, but Paul, the difference is, is he's paying loving homage to the Blob, and he's dissing on a slasher you. flick. I mean, you yeah. can't you can't say that he's he's paying loving homage because that's what he's doing to the Blob. And furthermore, to that point, it is kind of weird that he would do that coming straight off of doing a slasher film. I think that's maybe a reason why he did it. You know, it's like, look, look, this movie is better than the sequel I had to do. Even I mean, even though like he didn't have to do that sequel, that was his way into Hollywood. Like, you know, he was like, look, guys, I think missing the potential of a nightmare. Well, it got made because that movie was a success. Exactly. (laughs) So... Yeah, don't bite the hand. Don't bite off the hand that feeds you. I do really love the scene with the projectionist, though, man. Like that, that was pretty gruesome. I really do enjoy the way that was shot. Oh, with these, uh, he's all stuck to the ceiling with that fucking yo-yo. <laughs> the other guy comes in there, and you just see the yo-yo fall from the ceiling. <laughs> yes. And then, like, the camera follows the yo-yo back up, and he's just, like, all, like, just plastered to the ceiling. And, like, he's all contorted, and 
Oh yeah, it's like if you it, took somebody's face and instead of making it round, you actually like stretched it out into a flat piece of paper. It was fucking awesome looking. I, I really enjoyed that kill. There is a real gruesome moment too. The friend of of Meg's brother. Oh yeah, Eddie. He ends up yeah he ends up getting killed. Yeah, that is a little shocking. I remember seeing that uh, preteen and that being a little a little much to take in, like. Uh, this movie again, like you know, they killed Paul off, and now they're killing a kid, and we kill everybody out here. I I like the sewer scenes. The sewer scenes are really well done. I like those sets. I like the way the blob looks. Oh man, it gets really big here. Yeah, I think the sewer scenes are probably some of the best shot scenes in the whole movie. It starts getting very um, tentacly, where the the blob starts. When it gets big, it starts shooting out tentacles. It kind of reminds me a lot of the thing. That's where I, I do. Yeah. I do think this movie is kind of kind of inspired a little by the thing. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. You know, it's got a little of the. This is where like kind of the body horror esque imagery kind of comes in. There's a lot of tentacles that shoot out at people. Really, that's like, and that and how it moves, like how it kind of blows up and moves. That's really what makes it stand out. Um, it makes it really different from the first film, where it was just kind of a gelatinous mass. Yep, it's just one scene away from a Japanese cynical porn. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. When am I going to have a chance to make that reference again, dude? Uh, dude, uh, you'd be surprised how much uh, cynical porn and hentai come up on this show. Goddamn all <laughs> of you. Except for Benson. Benson's always like, uh, what? What? What, what, are you, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> What is it? What, what, what the fuck is hentai? All uh, everybody else is just like, oh no, oh no. Uh, okay, uh, look, our heroes do get trapped down in the sewer. Uh, Brian comes and saves yeah. them on a motorcycle. I do want to talk about he gets them out by shooting a rocket launcher up through a manhole. R. P. Motherfucking G. That was really bizarrely staged. How he just kind of shot it with one hand. It just looks. Question I had. Bad. I was like, okay. They, they trap it down in the sewers, right? Yeah. But how the fuck are they... What's the what's the plan on actually apprehending this thing? Oh, well, I... It's like they, they make this big divisive plan about, you know, trapping it in the sewers. Once you trap it, how are you going to catch it? Well, you got to remember, these these are government employees, Paul, okay? So they're not very, they're not very smart, all right? Okay? They don't have the best education in the world. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so what what happens is is they underestimated their foe. The guy that was a doctor, I mean, obviously he didn't get the best PhD in the world. He went to Brown. D is for doctor, bro. Oh, he went to Van- oh. We're making Ivy, Ivy League jokes now. Ooh, that's bad. Um, well, I didn't go to an Ivy League school, so I'm not making those jokes. Uh, I ain't I ain't go to no damn school. Uh, they's a lot smarter than me. So anyway, but yeah, <clears throat> and then they what do they do? They they move. They like pull one of the army trucks over the manhole. That's I'm how he's. Gonna, that's how he's. You know. That's why he's got to shoot the rocket. Yeah, I want to be a Schwarzenegger fucking badass Terminator motherfucker. And it's just hold staged weird. I, I don't that's like my, how it's staged. I just don't, I, dude. I don't like it. I don't know what it is. I think it's the one armed RPG. Like he's not aiming at all. It's like, how do you know you're shooting it through the manhole? Why is there no well, rubble? Dude, and mean, in the next shot, like when they're walking through the, the manhole, shot. you can't miss. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But 
the very next shot when they're walking through the manhole, the manhole's like the rocket just went perfectly through the manhole cover and No, no, I just bent the shit out of it. It didn't do anything. No, no, dude, like I kid you not, the manhole cover is missing. That's it. When they walk out, the shot they show you of them walking out of the manhole cover is just missing. It's a perfect, perfect hole. It's completely circular. Like they didn't do any damage to the concrete at all. It blew the entire truck up. Yeah. It blew the entire truck up that was sitting on top of the manhole, but the concrete up there, that's it's fine. I don't know. It's just really weird and the movie had such like here's the problem, and this is why I don't like it. And I know it seems really nitpicky. I know, I know everybody's like, what the why are why do you have a problem with that? I'll tell you why. The reason is is everything else is so well done and so believable in terms of physics and how things work in the real world. This just seems preposterous. Yeah, it kind of does. Even the motorcycle stuff, there's a couple of motorcycle scenes. You know, like even when he, he goes around the blob, like I buy all I, and look, that's that's kind of silly, and I'm totally on board for all of that. But this RPG, this is just, Chuck Jones, this is just taking you damn far. Yeah, exactly. All right, you're making fun of me now, Paul. But no, seriously, like the way Chuck Jones. No, I'm not agree. <laughs> but you're making fun of me at the same time. But look, the way <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, the way the way I keep I could just call him Chuck Jones. The way Chuck Russell. Um, Block this. I it it is it's it's bad, man. It's 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 bad. He did so good everywhere else that the the RPG, the over the shoulder rocket launcher, whatever the fuck it is, it's a problem for me, dude. It really is. I just do not buy it in the movie. It takes me out of the movie, and this whole end scene does not feel like it belongs to the rest of the film. Well, if anything, I would say that it feels like it's rushed. Yeah, it's like the blob, like a the blob, like pops out of the sewers, and it just destroys everybody. And everybody runs to the church for sanctu- sanctuary, and they barricade the church. And it's like, well, you know, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get in, and if, they figure out with the fire extinguishers that the blob is afraid of cold by this point. And the blob don't care about your damn sanctuary. I mean, there are some cool. I mean, granted, there's some cool scenes. With the blob killing people, I mean, there's some really incredible stuff here. It just seems, it just seems like I said, it just seems like extraordinarily rushed to me. Brian, who steals a refrigerant truck, runs a refrigerant truck the into the blob. Yeah, into the blob, and the blob is dead, and then it just starts snowing. No, no, yeah. that's not true. He he runs into the blob, and then uh, Shawnee Smith, uh, fucking Meg character, comes running out there like fucking all goddamn. Ellen Ripley yeah. <laughs> with a fucking machine gun on top of it and a bomb. Yeah, I don't understand that. And that's another thing is. And she's looking what, all like what, what awesome you, action heroin. What are you planning on doing with that machine gun? She was trying, to get, she was trying, she was trying to get its attention. I mean, okay, other than getting the blob's attention. Because well, you're not going to hurt it. No, I, I understand like what you're talking about with everybody else, but she was specifically trying to get its attention so it wouldn't eat uh, Kevin Dillon. Yeah, yeah. Because he was in the truck, and it was getting ready to consume the truck. So she was shooting at it, and she had the bomb on the snowmaker, and the blob's coming for her. And, of course, the screenwriters are like, and the screenwriters are like, well, she's a stupid woman. I mean, she'll shoot at it, and she'll be our hero, but she's not going to get away because she's going to trip and fall. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I I I thought that was so stupid. That was, like, the lamest use of tension (laughs) in the whole movie. And it's just like... Like, dude, just like wow. have her run away and have the blob like go after it and have it blow up and 
There's snow yeah. everywhere, and the blob's dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have her trip as she goes away. That is so lame sauce. I don't want to get any emails about I'm, I'm being a social justice warrior. I'm not. I thought this in the fucking 90s, okay? I When I saw this, I was like, yeah. why, why are you doing that? Just so you can have Kevin. Look, Kevin Kevin Dillon did plenty. He's done enough in this yeah, he movie. he did his part. Yeah, he did his part. It's I like, think he's a okay, badass. What is wrong? Right? Yeah, what's wrong with having Kevin Dillon drive the truck in, wreck the truck, get out of the truck, I mean, if you're going to have somebody get stuck, I can understand him getting stuck in the truck with the seatbelt, okay? Exactly. But then to have him get stuck in the truck with the seatbelt and then build this tension up with him getting out of the truck before it explodes and then build up even more tension or try to build up tension as well with Meg being stuck on top of the truck with the C4 package counting down. I mean, it's it's just like you're, you're doing the same thing with both of your lead characters. I don't know. I don't really care for that. Yeah, I, I, I would have liked it if Shawnee Smith had got to shoot the blob and blob comes for her. And you could even have like the blob maybe even grab her like after her. But like, you know, let her get let her get away. And then all of a sudden, Bob blows up, goes into crystal mode. And it's these beautiful pink crystals laying all over the ground. Right. Dude, it would be so great to have our two leads on opposite sides of these blob crystals coming together for a hug coming together for like a a, you know a victory high five hey baby you're hot i'm the weird awkward rebel and you're the hot cheerleader yay this is an 80s movie cue fucking thrash metal whatever it's just like it's just like the breakfast club but it didn't happen and it it just makes the blob look slow i I, want to point out something to you okay well the most logical thing would have been to have Meg's character get its attention, Brian's character drive the truck in, Brian gets stuck in the truck, Meg's racing against the blob and the C4 package exploding to get Brian out of the truck. Instead of having Brian struggle in the truck and then Meg, you know, Mr. Magoo, fucking way around some random fucking hose that's on the truck. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's missed opportunity, dude. I think it's uh, that's just my biggest. That's my biggest complaint about the movie, right there. Yeah, I, I think. It, it's, yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think it's a moment where you could have given your anti-hero male and uh, goody two-shoe version cheerleader. You know, what, whatever that is in the eighties, give her the the take charge moment and let her like you know become a leader. Let him become a leader in a positive light for once. You know, and then. They come together and they're the heroes of the story. And I don't know. At the end of it, it just kind of plays off like eh, I don't know. The blob's slow. Teenagers are awesome. What are you gonna do? I will say the we, uh, we kicked its ass. The Reverend uh, saves it for me at the end. So no, the Reverend the the scene the scene with the Reverend at the end is 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 really cool. And I love how the movie ends on this ominous tone. Like a horror movie should, man. Just like the fly like, and the thing did before it. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta leave on that note of like, oh, th- you know, things can get worse here if we don't change our ways. Yeah, and it almost gives it, it almost gives well, I almost got the vibe that the the Reverend at the end, he almost has this God slash apocalypse complex. No, we talked about him being a, a crazy uh drunk zealot i mean i mean that's what he is he's like i'm gonna bring forth the apocalypse with my pink goo 
I dude, I I I loved every single second of it. Very ending is it was just like it was, that was fucking awesome. No, I thought the production design was on point. It's very minimal, works very well. Uh, with that, yeah. you know what? Let's uh, let's give our let's give our ratings for all three blobs: the original, the sequel, and the remake. The original one, I would give five, five and a half out of ten. The sequel to the original, I would give a negative ten out of ten. We don't go negatives in our numbers here, man. Come on. Come on, we don't we don't go negatives. Okay, zero. Zero. I just give it a zero. It gets no no Elkins. What? No, dude. Are what? Are you serious? You're giving beware of the blob. You're saying that's a straight up zero. You're saying that's what did you give? Bro, if I, Jason gives dude, goes if to I, hell. What did you give? Jason goes to hell. One point five. Wait, you're saying okay? So you're saying it's worse than Jason goes to hell, bro? The only reason why Jason Goes to Hell got the 1.5 is because of one for the special effects and the and the 0.5 it got because I actually sat through and watched the entire thing. If I could have actually sat through the remade or the, the sequel to The Blob, Beware of the Blob, if I could have sat through that entire movie, I still would have gave it a 0.5. Bro, I think I think it gets a 0.5 in charm alone. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, but hey, look, no, this is your ranking. This is your ranking. You and, gave it a zero. And Moving on. The remake? Remake, I give a fucking 7.5 or an 8. 7.5. 7. 7.5. Yeah. You know, in the, words, in the words of Jared, that would round up to an 8. Yeah, round it up to an 8. Yeah. <laughs> 7. All right, okay. Seven, seven, that, that's respectable. Um... All right, I think uh, I think I give my ratings uh, original fifty eight blob. I you know you know what I I'd have to give it a, a six. It's it's a landmark film from when it came out. You know it it was a hit. It's a cult classic. I mean, well, I guess not landmark. Let's let's not blow it out of proportion. But you know the special effects are good. It gave a it was the introduction to Steve McQueen or Stephen McQueen. Look, guys, it, it's a, it's a fun movie. I do enjoy it. Beware the blob. I give it a solid two. It's fun. It is, even though it's made in the seventies, it is Boo. a sixties movie. <laughs> Boo, Brian Elkins. Boo. Uh, the styles, everything. Yeah, it's it's a total sixties hippie hippies joint. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. That's totally amazing. It is really dated, though. It's I would say I would argue it's more dated than the original Blob. The sequel is. Yeah. No shit. Uh, all right, the remake. I do have. I don't even talked about this. I have a little bit of a nostalgia love for this. You know, I I saw this at the right time. Um, I want to say I saw it before the the Fly, the, the the Fly remake. I mean, all all of these films, the Thing, the Fly. The Blob, I all of these remakes. I'd seen the originals before them. Um, every time I saw one of these remakes, they left me really thinking and, and just wondering more about the creatures than I ever did watching those original movies. And just really got my imagination like going out of control and I, the things that the filmmakers put on screen. And I, I really do think The Blob's a lot of fun. Is it? Is it? A, a great film I don't know but it's a fun movie and if you want to watch a monster movie I don't know if you can get you know 
yeah, you can get better. You can get John Carpenter's The Thing. You know, you can get David Cronenberg's The Fly. Those are better monster movies. Those movies are scary. They got great gore effects. And uh, they got great acting. They got great blocking. The camera work is amazing. The scores are great. Like, everything about those films is magnificent. I mean, oh my God. Uh, Kurt Russell is so good in The Thing. And, and Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis are so good in The Fly. Uh, even even uh, John Kurtz is good in The Fly. I mean, uh, man, so many great things. But The Blob, yeah, it, get, it gets overlooked a little bit. Just like it did when it came out. Uh, and I, I, if you like monster movies, I recommend you watch it and check it out. Um, I like some of the things they changed. I like the, uh, the acid for acid for blood, acid for blob. It, it worked for me. All right, guys. So you've been listening to the Movie Crew podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail dot com. That's themoviecrew and crew is spelled C R E W E. That's right, extra e at the end of the word crew at gmail dot com. You guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Movie Crew Pod. Paul, where can our audience follow you, sir? Oh, uh, you can follow me on at Twitter um, at Paul R Williams J One. And like always, we're going to close out the show with a little bit of the soundtrack. I, you know, we got we got to close out uh, with a little bit of Diddy from the '58 original film. Let's play Beware the Blob, performed by the Five Blobs, which was actually just singer Bernie Knee um, looped several times over. But most importantly, the song was written by Burt Bacharach and Mac David. Just like Austin Powers said, Paul? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob.
Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps.